because you know you know what the world needs jordan you know what the world needs is another podcast there's not enough that's what more people i've heard so many people say this you know what i just i love podcasts i don't hear enough of them not enough people have them i just want more yeah so that's why it's good that we're doing this it is i'm always saying that like we 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 don't have enough. It definitely is not an oversaturated market. Uh, no. We definitely don't have enough people just sharing their opinion on politics. Um, so that's why, yeah, you and I put our heads together and said, hey, let's fill that gap. Let's, let's yeah. do a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The only thing is I'm kind of nervous, to be honest. Like I was I was like, excited about this venture, you know, the insurgents were launching this new thing. You know, I was very excited about it. But the thing is, like, we're sitting here now and I just, it's not a lot to talk about. I feel like not that much has gone on this week. It's been, it's been a little dead. Yeah. Slow news to- week. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I have not been paying close attention. Uh, no. don't really know what's going on. Um, you know, so it's kind of that post Super Bowl haze. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess we can try and scrape together some stuff. Yeah, maybe. That's what, that's what we're here for, right? <laughs> yeah. We committed to this. So it's, <laughs> What's uh what's Mitt Romney up to? Uh whatever it is, I wish he was running in the Democratic primary, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Because that guy just you know, a couple just a couple years ago I would had a pretty low opinion of him. As recently as like twenty twelve, but now my opinion on this guy has completely shifted. Um I think <laughs> right. he, I think Mitt Romney is the voice that America needs right now to to lead the United States into a, a prosperous future. That's what I think. Yeah, I, as we're saying this, Mitt Romney is trending on Twitter with the hashtag Mitt Romney is my hero because he just announced he's going to vote to convict Donald Trump in the impeachment trial, which prompted this huge wave of backlash from the right, including this absolute gem from uh, Candace Owens, formerly of Turning Point USA, uh, now with I, I think she's with PragerU. And the tweet says, if communist Bernie Sanders secures the nomination... He will need a strong Democrat to run as his VP. I suggest <laughs> Mitt Romney. Just fucking a, baller. Yeah, that's a great idea. I think that's a winning strategy. I mean, personally. nothing nothing matters to these people. Like labels or just terms <laughs> no. or words. Nothing. They have no strict definition, and it isn't about ideology to them. It's about preserving like party power and just protecting the president which is a really weird way to see uh the world and see politics and how to operate within that structure because it's not really like you're in it for any concrete set of ideals you're just a careerist if that's how how you approach it you're only in it to to get ahead yeah yeah sometimes i think some of these people are a little bit disingenuous (laughs) maybe i can't shake the i can't shake the feeling that they just don't have everyone's best interests at heart (laughs) really (laughs) maybe this is a maybe this is violating civility i don't know call me crazy but that's just the feeling i have sometimes let's keep the norms at the forefront please yeah anyway (laughs) uh i i was being a little bit facetious earlier there are actually a few things to talk about uh i'm happy that we're uh we're uh gonna be breaking this stuff down today and we're bringing along a friend, aren't we? Uh, we are. Uh, I don't quite know how we landed this guest. This is a pretty special one. Uh, surprising we got him, but yeah, uh, Ken Klippenstein is going to join us. He's just in your living room, just holding a knife at his throat right now <laughs> as we do this. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. He'll, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. He'll, he'll, 
we'll let him go after. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I know I'm looking forward to that. So what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about this Iowa caucus, which is still, it's day three of the Iowa caucus. Still not totally sure what's going on with that. That's uh that seems like a fairly big story. Um, and all the, all the weird tendrils that, that, that come out from that. Um, we got the state of the union, which was last night. Uh, Epic slate queen, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Nancy Pelosi obviously was the highlight of that for me. Um, Whole, a whole lot of stuff going on that we can we can bite into with Ken Klippenstein. That's right. Um, yeah, Ken is, uh, you know, pissed a lot of people off last night with his criticism of the purely, like, just these, like, trite little machinations from um, members of Congress who are just trying to go viral with, like, epic moments, like, epic resistance meme moments. Um, yeah. Uh, pissed a lot of people off in the process, but, you know, between he and I like prompted an interesting discussion about how you know things things travel in media and how things are constructed and narratives are built and that kind of stuff so we could talk a little bit about that we'll talk about the um, state of the union overall the Iowa caucus and just everything else impeachment everything that's making your blood boil uh, Ken will have a lot of good insights to share yeah the three of us have been pissing a lot of people off over the last couple of days and <laughs> yeah, weeks i feel dude. like <laughs> i had a i had a rough i had a rough week last week man <laughs> I, I i don't know if you were you on that yes you were we were both on that spreadsheet where the lady accused yeah, us yeah, of not we were doing we were doing sexism <laughs> yes. you were doing sexism because of our retweet ratios <laughs> and we got know? owned we Did got you we know? got called in that's well we got called out that she didn't even call us in that's true that wasn't a call in at all that was pretty a public call out actually absolutely um (laughs) yeah i'm trying to do better i don't know i i mean yeah i I try to be like equitable in who i retweet but it's just like i'm just going off of what's in my feed and what like catches my eye like i'm not like making a conscious choice but no i can't i can't retweet her she's a woman i am making a conscious choice actually i'm doing that i do that exact thing Oh, that's cool, though. <laughs> is this a right. safe space for me to admit that? Yeah, of course. That uh, you do sexism? Sure. <laughs> uh, uh, Ryan Grimm, I guess, made her go back and count 200 of his retweets. And that changed her analysis. Uh, and the, it's it's just show because she her initial initial sample size was 10 retweets. Which yeah. is like a little bit of a little bit slim small. there. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, go go check two hundred, and she did, and it was seventy percent women that he retweeted. <laughs> so yeah. Whatever. There we go. I'm not sure. I wasn't so sure about how it sound that that and scientific that analysis was. So that, that confirms <laughs> that to me. Yeah, uh, I'm not so sure. Not so sure. <laughs> okay. Well, we got a lot to get to, Jordan. So let's bring on Ken Klippenstein, and and we're going to talk about all this stuff and try and make try and make sense of it what do you think about that uh let's do it boom that's a bad omen i feel great oh my god I feel great. Well, somebody is just chilling in Cedar Rapids right now. Fucking... <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah dude, the whole country is vibing in Cedar Rapids right now. <laughs> Deval Patrick with the surge in a state oh, he wasn't even shit. running it. <laughs> yeah. 
Dude, you can't make this shit up. This is a joke some people like us who make on Twitter. It's happening. Yeah. Oh, a bunch of people just showed up in the in the most popular city of the country to vote for a guy who isn't, or in the in the, in the state uh, to vote for a guy who isn't running. Oh, sorry, sorry, Bernie. Better luck next year. It's literally the Jeb <laughs> meme. It's the Jeb meme, and it's yeah, happening. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everything's coming up to Val. <laughs> it t- looks like it looks like everyone wrote in Hillary Clinton. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> oh, this is so good. What was that tweet? It's pretty. It's easy from here. Everyone writes in Hillary Clinton in Iowa. Uh, she oh. wins the nomination. Boom, President Clinton. Straightforward from here. Which which <laughs> that woman maintains. She still says it's a joke, but I've never we seen her say anything know, funny. We all know that was not a joke. It's like no. the cartoon of uh, Hillary. She's in the woods planning, plotting, and all this time <laughs> now it's the plan is going into effect, and we all laughed and doubted, and now we're gonna face our comeuppance. <laughs> and then it's like she makes her long-awaited return to the to the media spotlight, and she's like, "Bernie, bro, has cost me the election." And that's the only <laughs> that's the only thing she's figured out in all that time. Just sweeps her to victory. That <laughs> argument that no one had heard before, because <laughs> everyone's like, "Whoa, that's a good point." Yeah, can't believe we didn't see that coming. Man, oh man. Well, so Ken, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, we knew you'd be hard to get. Um, you know, being that we don't really know each other. So, uh, yeah. yeah, thanks for coming on the show, man. <laughs> well, you were negging me when I first, uh, you were like, I didn't hear what he said. I didn't hear what he said for the first five minutes. That's and how now, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You want to get a guest mindset where I wait for you guys to ask me the questions. I'm not going to, yeah, yeah. I can run the show. Yeah. It's called isolation, buddy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you learned it. It was, uh, this sounds like something that like mayor Pete would have learned at, um, at, at his consulting firm. He's like, you see, you establish dominance first in the, in the interview, and then it, it, things are going to swing your way. Well, we've seen all that on display over the last week, and I guys, I got like, like we got to start with this because, listen, like you know, I'm I live in Canada, right? I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Canada is the most democratic country that we've got a perfect electoral system. We've got problems, okay? There's there's big problems in in the Canadian electoral system. Um, that being said. What the fuck is going on in your goddamn country with the, and the electoral system? Can can someone explain it to me? Because I, I've been trying to follow this, and it just we're we're day three now of the Iowa caucus. They just cracked eighty percent in the the in the votes that they're reporting. As we're talking about, this seems like completely. Like Deval Patrick now is getting this huge bump, <laughs> who was not running. What is happening? What is going on here? This reminds me of when the financial crash happened, and they're like, uh, "Turns out they're like doing the um, kind of inquiries to figure out like wh- what what happened to the um, banks." And they're coming back with like, uh, "Oh, it looks like we've like leveraged everything to be on these like uh, derivatives and separate mortgages." And they're like, uh, "What are derivatives?" And it's like, "We don't know, sir." <laughs> and that's like kind of where that's kind of what this Iowa cool. thing is. It's like what a cox is like we don't know because I've had it explained to me like a dozen times. I still, I mean, I can like tell you what I've been told, but it doesn't feel like a coherent and whole explanation because there's different steps and then they calculate. It's like health insurance; like you can't understand what the hell's going on. And then now everyone's just waiting, which I think is a recipe for abuse um, because then you have to rely on these sort of um, uh, you know authorities to, to to crunch all the numbers and tell you what exactly happened because you can't just. You know, use common sense to look at it and, and and say what say what the output is. But let's go back to the beginning here because I think there's a certain 
there's a certain part of this that is just like massive incompetence, right? There's the whole thing with the the app, the voting app and everything. Although I will say that like when your when your world historical incompetence begins to resemble this vast conspiracy theory, at that point the <laughs> distinction becomes kind of meaningless. But like okay, so there's there is possible incompetence or some fuck up that caused these results to be dis- delayed. But to me, there there's no explanation for the fact that they still haven't found a solution to this. The fact that there's been this very like fake media narrative that's been like as they've slowly slow rolled these results, showing Pete Buttigieg in the lead. Like that part, that is deliberate, right? I mean, it has to be. Well, I mean, there's so many facets to the like Iowa Democrats and people working. It's like really, I think it's almost like it's sort of like what you said before. The, the distinctions kind of break down. Like, I guess the question is like, um, who, like deliberate by whom? And, and there's like different factions here. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, and there's different parties releasing their own information or different um, campaigns releasing their own information. So um, it, it, it's crazy because I report on like the national security world. It's easier for me to figure out what's going on in like the um, FBI or defense department than it is for me to find out. And I know a lot of these people in his campaigns and they also inside don't seem to understand exactly what's going on. So I don't, I'm skeptical that anybody knows. And that's not to like, you know, um, exculpate anyone um, because they should never have used this ridiculous app. I mean, we should just have paper ballots, but um, it's, it's, a, it's really hard for me to get a clear answer on anything. I think but the thing this this is leading to so much distrust of the right. entire process because of how it's being handled, the secrecy, the secrecy with which it's being handled, the, the refusal to give deadlines or expectations of updates, uh, that they're doing it in increments and that the increments only seem to come from uh, certain areas and not like, you know, there, there's that tweet that's getting shared around from the actual like precinct captain or, or guy who ran the caucus or, or I'm sorry, the Polk County Democratic chair which is home to one of the, you know, I think that's where Des Moines is. Um, but it's a, one of the most populous counties in Iowa. They've had their results ready to the state party for like now coming on, a, I, think, I think, a day or two. And as people are watching these results come in, those aren't being added to the tally. So it's like, what is the methodology behind uh, where these results are coming in from? And, you know, w- w- they don't seem to be coming from as, as other maps and, and cross, uh, you know, cross references and analysis have, have been pointed out. Um, areas where Sanders was doing the best aren't really the areas that are being included in these updates. So it begs the question, at least to me, uh, what, why? And when you consider the establishment's animus towards Sanders, it really looks like an issue of manufacturing consent in the media because then it just gives Pete... Uh, like more and more independent and separate, but also undeserved um, victory news cycles. Pete, like you've seen headlines already that Pete won and were not complete. There's a one percent difference, and they 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 still have like at, uh, earlier today it was like twenty percent to go. So like, why are we declaring a victory when it's a one percent margin and Sanders has the lead and the popular vote in both the first and second rounds? And at, at this point, they're tied in national delegates. So the whole issue, the whole fucking thing stinks of manufacturing consent. And, and you're talking about why are we declaring a win for Pete now? Why did Pete Buttigieg declare victory the night of <laughs> unambiguously with zero percent reported? Right. Like that, that to me is 
ludicrous. And the fact that he was able to kind of just walk that back the next day and say, oh, no, no, it was kind of like just saying, oh, it was a victory for our movement and stuff. It was completely unequivocal the way he was phrasing it. He gave a victory speech. And that's just like, okay, I'm sure if Bernie Sanders had gone out, which he had every right to go out and and using the data they had and do the same thing, I'm sure the reaction would have been very (laughs) subdued to him doing that. But, oh, well. I want to follow up on a point that Jordan made, which is uh, it's leading to distrust in the process. Something that is really irritating to me uh, is how you see uh, a lot of people saying, like, um, scolding people for engaging in conspiracy theories, which obviously, you know, like anything without evidence is not constructive. Yes. But that's an insane view that you're just going to scold people into like behavior in a certain way after you're seeing an implosion of like the very, you know, basis of like what we derive our notion of legitimacy of the entire like government from of course people are going to engage in conspiracy theories when they don't know what happened and when you're being secretive and as jordan said when you're not transparent about why you're releasing how much when and and what criteria you're deciding that is so those are the people to be angry at not necessarily like ordinary people that are confused and trying to figure out what's going on if you want the conspiracy thinking to end you're going to provide more openness more transparency not just kind of finger wag um which it i mean seems to be what uh, it's certainly people in the media are doing, and I think it's really disgraceful. When I also don't get how, how people don't make the leap into conspiracy theories. I mean, I, I definitely try to be more subdued and try to try to, you know, not uh, kind of go down those rabbit holes. But when you have this whole situation, the way it's played out, the ties with these like shadowy tech companies uh, acronym. And what's the other one? Shadow. It's actually Shadow. Yeah, it's literally Shadow. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and uh, it's just Black like Fire. I don't know with the with the connections that that Shadow and this the who made this app or funded it, the connections they have to the Pete Buttigieg campaign, and the way that he seemingly uh, used this situation to, uh, you know, extend his campaign and get this this uh, victory news cycle. I mean, maybe that's all just a big coincidence, but I don't understand how anyone can look at all that and say, like, oh, yeah, that's just, like, no conspiracy here. You know, of course people are going to be <laughs> uh, jumping to that conclusion. I mean, that seems like the that seems like the obvious uh, answer. Yeah, I mean, if you're following money and associations and things, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm just talking about the notion that, um, you know, you see this particularly among the political class. They just get so angry that people would start to question the sort of legitimacy or honesty of these institutions. It's like... Dude, it's day three and we don't know what happened. Like, what, what do you expect? Is everybody and they won't tell to us. Hands? Yeah, they won't tell us. What the fuck are we supposed to do? Right. Exactly. But I, but that's the thing. It's like I, I they they have all the information. Like, don't they? This is what I don't. This is what no one is explaining. They have the information. Why is it being doled out like this? Why aren't we getting all the information? Like, no yeah. no one has explained this. So it the idea like that I, people are going to start asking questions, I think, is a little bit bizarre that anyone would think that it feels like a tv series when they've went through all the material like game of thrones when they've gone past the source material and they just have to make things last until the the series until the season finale and that's where we're at now it's like two two percent one percent one point five percent uh the 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 term conspiracy theory that is just being thrown around just so like wantonly uh especially over the past few months i feel like People have tried to pivot away from, you know, what might have been their beat and toward this, like, ambiguous misinformation and disinformation right. Right. Uh, beat, which is just 
you know, you could, depending on your perspective, you could include anything you want in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but as in a traditional media landscape where you have these gatekeepers uh, serving as the arbiters of truth, they seem to be really, really quick to accuse anybody uh, questioning or challenging uh, anything the establishment, like the political establishment does, uh, and labeling them a conspiracy theorist. And it's just like people were throwing that around at the Sanders campaign uh, and Sanders supporters when immediately people started to ask questions about the process when it just, beca- you know, when the whole thing imploded uh, on on Monday night. So it's like, I think we need really need to push back against these, like, misapplied labels of conspiracy theory uh, for, for issues like this, when it's just very clear there's a ton of ambiguity. It looks like the process is fucked up. Um, maybe, at worst, um, malice and, like, malicious intent. Uh, we know there's animus towards Sanders uh, in the political establishment because they're fucking open about it. Like they're not, they don't hide it. Right. Like they explicitly How many headlines say, have we seen where it's right? Like, they so don't want him to win. Person strong second. Yeah, we've seen this repeatedly. You can't say that that's not a thing. Right. Yeah, and it's as not, many yeah. people have pointed out too, the whole the whole thing about Iowa isn't exactly the the delegates are picking up or the voting or the votes are picking up, but it's this sense of momentum that you okay, you've won the first right. thing, you right. get that big kind of victory news cycle, you're going into the next thing, and that I'm sorry has been I think deliberately denied. Uh, Bernie, like that's the only explanation that that makes sense to me. The fact that they've dragged this out for so long and have tried to avoid just like initiating that narrative the whole time, and in fact have tried to siphon it off to someone else. Right, which is going to have a funny culmination because uh, if you want to make the sort of premier state that everyone sees, be New Hampshire, be my guest. Yeah, I think it should be Michigan. I think Michigan should go first. It's a good representation of Middle America. You've got a post-industrial contingent in Detroit. You've got a little bit of rural in the Upper Peninsula. Um, a good mix, you know. It could be a swing state. You get some of those Obama, Reagan, um, Trump, like that whole mix of voters. So you could really see, you get a better glimpse, I think, um, into what might be a, a good place to start uh, and a good representation of like a, a broad swath of America. Um, but, you know, they probably won't do that. They'll probably go to, like, California or something. Or Illinois, some state with a machine. Maybe this is naive of me, but maybe what you could do also is just take one day and everyone goes and just votes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm for Instead that. Instead of this you're super Canadian. bizarre uh, labyrinthine process. You, you could, you're, you're Canadian basically talking about healthcare. It's like, oh, dude, we're not there yet. We've got to pass through the desert to get to the promised land. <laughs> it's like no the only way this works is if it's this like uh four month long bizarre right. thing where there's different rules in every state and no one knows exactly how it works yeah uh, and it just makes no sense that's the only way we can ever do this kind of stuff everyone runs for two years yes yeah the trick is the only way to mis- do it the trick is make it as mystifying as possible to any ordinary person and then get extremely mad that people aren't more involved in voting <laughs> Yeah, tell people that they're racist and they're idiots if they don't vote your way. Oh, and then on election day, have, just tell them to tell them to vote. Yeah, elections have consequences. Yeah. And then now we see, and now with Iowa, all those same people are like, "Oh, who cares? It's Iowa. It's all white people. Yeah. It doesn't matter." Let's just put it in the past. Like, Wait, but you just said, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Dude, the Jennifer Rubin one eighty was so funny because, like, yes, last year great. when she, when it was when everyone thought that like Beto was gonna have like a, a huge run just writing those columns about like how he would be the best to win there 
and then he drops out and Sanders looks like he's gonna do really well it doesn't even matter you know what Iowa it's just basically like a tryout it doesn't matter you know I think she's an I have a theory she's an op for people like me who like to do side-by-side headlines because <laughs> it's just a conveyor belt of like viral easy viral content Rob Rob did you know there's a side-by-side the book no, oh, God. it's so <laughs> bad. Ken and I, I were at the bookstore the other day, or we were at this re- we were at this restaurant called Busboys and Poets in DC, and in the lobby they have a bookstore. And Pete Souza, the former Obama photographer, has a book called Shade, and on the cover it's Obama like lowering like the the plastic sunglasses, like the the Kanye uh, glasses, and then inside it's just like on the left page it'll be like here's a Trump tweet about something and then on the right it's like here's a picture of obama playing with a kid in the oval office yeah. <laughs> presidential. Like, did you ever see the as a kid do you ever yeah. see the cartoon goofus and gallant that was what he did with the idea because it's like here's obama looking dignified and and being a, bo- and being a boss and and like being good with kids and then it's another one where it's like trump is like um i don't know has like toilet paper on his shoe or something <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, here's Obama looking lean and fit playing yeah, golf. Exactly. And then it's like, here's that one picture where Trump looks fat and he's got the, <laughs> he's got the big ass in his shorts. <laughs> got him! Woo! Imagine how fucking insufferable the people are that bought that book and have it on their coffee table. Oh, holy oh, shit. Boy. Who do you think they vote for? Someone who buys that book, who do you think they vote for? Uh, not Biden, because the thing is, Biden... So that whole politics is like um propriety and kind of like this guy sort of looks respectable and it's kind of following the the pageantry Biden goes off script too much and starts you know grabbing reporters and doing strange things that are embar- that's embarrassing and and yeah. makes people and kind of exposes as a farce the the, the system that we have so it would have to be like well that's what's so great about this election is they don't really have any choices <laughs> they're they're totally fucked well i think <laughs> i think the people who bought that book their choice dropped out i think it's kamala harris oh he totally yeah that's totally, the, i think 100%. they probably migrated to mayor pete Maybe uh, Elizabeth say, Warren, yeah, but, Pete, but Warren's Warren. probably too divisive for them, for even them to support. Can't go too far. <laughs> <laughs> My main takeaway from what has been happening in Iowa and the as it pertains to, to Bernie's campaign especially, I know I, I was really frustrated and disappointed and am still, and I know that the people, the activists on the ground, uh, the people in the campaign are frustrated because they were really denied this this victory that they deserved i know i i know i deserved a night of gloating to people on twitter and rubbing their faces in it (laughs) um but i think what i've come around to is the idea that this is really i mean this just cements everything that sanders has ever said about the dnc and about the democratic party establishment it's like the most pure example of this exact kind of like institutional rot the like parasitic consultant class and the sort of revolving door between big tech and finance and consultancy. It just, it's emblematic of everything that he's been railing against for decades. So I do think as, as pain, as painful as it's been to watch, to watch this play out, uh, I think it is going to help him. It, it helps his credential for all the people that he's been speaking to. It reinforces everything that he's been saying about the political establishment and the democratic party establishment for decades. So, I do think maybe eventually if they announce a winner, I mean, that would be nice, but I think he will go into New Hampshire with a ton of momentum. And I think a lot of the activists especially are even more determined now to work even harder to try and, and, and make this happen. Yeah. I mean, he literally had, um, observers, uh, I think in their own in-house app that they developed to like track these things. Cause he anticipated that something like this would happen. Um, maybe not on the scale, but they, that's why no. they had their own data is cause they were literally, 
you know, uh, and that, that shows a level of realism and, and, um, I don't, I don't think people need to despair because, um, you know, not just this guy, but this movement, uh, you talk to folks, I think they know what they're up against. Um, and they're not getting broadsided by this stuff is as sort of shocking as it is, or it was at least to me. I did not anticipate this. That That is true. <laughs> I definitely anticipated an institutional, uh, pushback, but I, I did not see any of this stuff coming. I got to admit. Oh no, sir. I didn't on this scale. I mean, I knew they would you know, try to play games and things, but, um, to basically just have this TV screen say, please stand by <laughs> as the numbers are supposed to come in. I, I didn't think it would go that far. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's uh, day three. It is day three with not, not the full results. That is, uh, that's something else. Yeah. We're seeing, we're seeing now, uh, it is confirmed that they put, they put Sanders' results in Steyer and Deval Patrick for sure. <laughs> hey, it can happen just... to anyone, Jordan. Like, you've never yeah. made a mistake. The names sound the same. The politics are similar. <laughs> like, <come Yeah>. <laughs> classic, classic mistake. But now people are like digging through everything else and finding irregularities uh, in other things. So, like, I, you just have to fucking audit the entire thing. But this goes back to what I said um, earlier or. I will say, depending on where ed- Rob edits this in, uh, this, that the media has given Pete this, this news cycle, this victory news cycle. Um, yes. Completely undeserved. Part of it's because he went out and declared victory, but also, like, you, there was a clip earlier I saw of, like, Jim Shudo laughing and being like, Sanders lost to a small town mayor. Dude, motherfucker. First of all, we don't know. Second, everybody did if pete won like what it's just like it's like this this like anti-sanders animus from the establishment is just so fucking grotesque it's nuts like but this is also why sanders resonates with people outside of like the you know the hyper online outside people in media or politics because they they see him as someone who people that they don't trust uh doesn't like they don't like sanders you know, like like the establishment class, the political class, the media class, all these people, because those people have never really cared about anyone else's interests outside of their friends that they see at cocktail parties. So when they see Sanders uh, as an insurgent making inroads into like toward toward leadership positions, um, they feel better about him. You know, they feel better about him than anybody else. And I, I, I've I've talked about it in other places, but I know lifelong Republicans who are now voting for Sanders because he represents real change, and people can sense that. So when you see people like Jim Shooter laughing on TV, or uh, what's that guy's name from CBS News, the dorky-looking guy, the small one, um, Ed something, saying that like the problems in Iowa were because of Sanders. Um, blaming the data entry problem and the app problem and the reporting problem on Sanders himself like shit like that is exactly why people one don't trust the media and two like Sanders yeah I wouldn't be surprised if it redounds to him I wouldn't be surprised if it redounds to him to some extent yeah I mean I think I think it's gonna like I said I think it it really firms up his his exact anti-establishment credentials which is the the very reason that he's so popular um here's a question that I had for for you guys though um, that you might be able to shed some light on. Um, okay. So I, you know, I do think, I don't want to fuck around here. I do think Bernie won the Iowa caucus. I think we'll find that out soon. Even if he ends up with a, with a, a delegate tie with Pete. Okay, sure. But, um, one thing that I am kind of wondering is, is it like, should it be a concern to Sanders supporters that it was that close, that Pete did overperform 
to that extent because I know part of the reason they're they're talking about why Pete was in first uh, despite being behind on on the the actual votes was because these rural counties are like weighted heavier than the their urban ones but like shouldn't those have been counties that Sanders would do well in and um, I guess the other thing I saw was there was a stat about uh, youth turnout in in Iowa which I believe was up from 18% in 2016 to 24% this year, which is obviously a huge improvement and it's like, it's very positive, but considering the amount of resources that the Sanders campaign put into turning out youth voters in, in, in Iowa, do you think that's like, is that possibly a bad sign that like, that it only increased by that much and it wasn't quite as overwhelming and resounding as I think some people were hoping for? I think the um, turnout, you know, is some cause for concern, but you have to treat it with some moderation because um, Iowa is such an idiosyncratic state in the sense that it's so white. It's so white. And, um, it, you know, Sanders performs better with Latinos than any of the other candidates, um, from what I recall. And then um, with basically um, black people that aren't older, he also does. Um, so, uh, you know, it's limited what you can um, d- deduce from Iowa. But, yeah, I, I do think... Uh, it, at least for me, that that was a that was a um, cause a cause for concern. What, what do you think, Jordan? I think whatever Ken thinks, because he he said I had to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think the thing is, um, I would like to wait to see to, to wait till there's an actual primary to maybe start e- e- seeing if there's a trend there that right, it's not exactly. increasing as much as as right. he was hoping. Um, like, I don't think anyone should be panicking, panicking about it yet, but because you two are maybe a little bit more knowledgeable than me, I thought you might have some kind of possible insight there. Wait, guys, just now ProPublica just published uh, a story with the headline or with the caption on the tweet. We obtained the smartphone app behind the Iowa caucuses fiasco and had it analyzed. Turns out a skilled hacker could intercept and even change vote tallies and other sensitive data <laughs> if they wanted to. And if this he- isn't just like... This isn't just like a blog or something like, like ProPublica is a Pulitzer surprise winning investigative outlet, you know, just but just calling balls and strikes. These people are like really, really great reporters. Like there's no real bias here, but that they would publish it shows that this shit is, right. is not right. not good. And this this is the party that's been talking about election interference from the Russians for the last four years. Yes. And they're using yeah. this app. I mean, and they specifically did this because they fearmongered so much about this. <laughs> it's amazing. You can't. But I mean, isn't the shit written down? Like, do, do they, is the only information coming from this cursed app, or is the, did someone actually like take a pen and paper and maybe write down some of this information that they? Can well, use since to... these things are since these things are public, um, people witness them. So it's limited how much they can mess around because you know people witness how what, what other how other people are voting in these in, the, in this caucus process since it's like an open it's not like you go into a private booth as is the case in many other in in many other states um so so i, cool. I do think that's going to limit how much they can they can mess around um as to whether or not it seems very idiosyncratic how they um yeah <laughs> how they record these things you know because um, yeah. i saw say so. some videos where they're like scribbling things on whiteboards and like doing math on it like well like mid like during the actual caucus so I, yeah I, I and like awarding delegate equally awarding delegates to sanders and Buttigieg, right. even it's like, gets double it's like, the amount of people in his caucus yeah, it's like calvin ball where it's like and then they're flipping <laughs> the they're flipping fuck? coins they're flipping coins and they're dancing around and it's like what the hell's going on <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
Man. Yeah, it's so inscrutable to me because like I've I've paid attention to American politics for a long time. I know I was like following the Iowa caucus in, in twenty sixteen at this time, uh-huh. but not not quite as intently. Uh so really seeing a lot of the, the like bizarre ritualistic shit that goes on in this uh in this American electoral process. Not a huge fan. Not do not enjoy it that yeah. much. Gotta say. Not good. Not good. I mean all this stuff is just to keep outsiders out. You know, all the different rules. Mm-hmm. It's just like this Rube Goldberg machine of, of of politics. And, then you know, you have like the the act like the political machines in states like Illinois and California and New York designed to keep challenge progressive challengers out. You have the DCCC blacklisting vendors. If you work with uh, primary challengers who aren't endorsed by DCCC, it's just like a fucking mess. Like this, this isn't is an anti-democratic establishment designed to like keep your interests on the back burner like everyone should be mad about this but you know because they don't like sanders they're gonna turn a blind eye to it like wait until it's your fucking candidate next yeah that's a fun game to play is to pretend that this happened if say like warren was in first or oh my fucking oh god or dude, literally anyone like biden i mean i think a big honestly I anyone that's not sanders basically right yeah, yeah. if dude if biden had come in like fourth or maybe fifth do you think that the silence and everyone should be kind of like well let's just wait on the numbers trust the process no way <laughs> You know, yeah. If it was if Warren was projected and polling uh, at the top, and then suddenly like Sanders was polling, who was polling maybe third, comes out on top, dude, the fucking furor. People would be strapping Holy on shit. like suicide vests. <laughs> well, and insane. honestly, I think that's one positive thing that has come out of this is that Sanders has kind of subverted what all these people always say about him. They said, oh, he's going to try and game the results. He's going to try and claim victory. And it turns out it's the Democratic Party that's going to do that. And he's going to appear Mm -hmm. statesmanlike and reasonable. And and, and it's it's completely subverting everything that these establishment kind of types uh, predicted that it was going to be like during this primary. It was all projection. It was all projecting Mm -hmm. the entire time. Like... Sanders had never really d- demonstrated like th- they want to latch on to uh, hi- that he didn't jump on day one uh, when he was mathematically eliminated um, to to s- throw support behind Hillary. But as he laid out in his book, it's like, all right, well, when we get to the platform committee, the DNC, we're just going to try to make up as progressive of a platform as we can, and that's why. So he's trying to build political will, which Pretty is reasonable. what you do as an activist. Yeah, but the fact that like. But the thing is, like, it's way better and more, again, statesmanlike than Hillary, who said she wasn't going to drop out in case Obama got assassinated. <laughs> like, that's how you the know, fuck on. That's how you know these people are not interested in serious conversation. Like, I, it's so <laughs> it's charming to me that when people are kind of, like, debating them, and it's like, dude, they don't give a shit. They're just trying to get one over on you. It's, there's no point in just, the, all you can do is, like, there's no reason to do anything other than either ignore each other or judge on each other because there's no serious i mean you can tell if someone you know is really wants to learn about something or ask questions and that's not that's not a lot of the um people in the sort of political commentary or or media i think yeah and and the thing i've been saying for for months now is that you know maybe maybe bernie's not going to win this nomination. i mean i think he is going to win it but let's say bernie does not win this this nomination 
And if he loses fair and square, okay, that's one thing. But because of the way things played out in 2016, I think people that are supporting Bernie are hyper, hyper sensitive to any kind of like fuckery or, or, uh, you know, shenanigans on the part of the DNC to deny him this, to deny him this nomination. And I feel like the process is already completely corrupted and completely like exposed. (laughs) So, like at this point now, if Sanders doesn't win the nomination, people are going to lose their fucking minds and probably should. So it's like they've completely botched this whole thing uh, right from the beginning. And it's like now if it, like it's just I feel like if Sanders wins the nomination, it's going to be chaos for a number of reasons uh, because of the amount of people that are going to freak out from the kind of liberal establishment or the kind of capitalist class. But if he doesn't win, it's also going to be chaos uh, because people are probably are not going to accept it. And, you know, they have a pretty, pretty strong case for why they shouldn't. Yeah. The the destruction is going to happen. The question is, what's the term they use in biology where it's like um, creative destruction, like where, where the trees get, you know, burned out and that makes way for more life to come in and, and, and reestablish itself. Um, the question is, are we going to have I have no you know, a horrible Booker convention that <laughs> that ends in 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 you know a fractured party that that doesn't hold power for twenty years um, or maybe doesn't even exist, or is this going to be something where it gets reordered uh, on uh, you know political grounds that actually reflect what what the um, country believes or at the very least what the voters believe, um, and that's I, I think that's sort of the crux of, of what we're going to see. Yeah, it's also worth pointing out, too, that a lot of the very people that were so scandalized by Bernie's behavior in 2016, uh, the fact that he, like, you know, dared to bring up his opponent's record on the couple times and, uh, you know, stayed in the contest until the convention, even though he was mathematically eliminated. A lot of these folks are about six weeks away from endorsing a billionaire to just come into the process and just buy the whole process, uh, who used to be a Republican, who literally was a Republican who uh, praised George W. Bush and, you know, instituted stop and frisk when he was mayor of New York. I some, Something tells me a lot of these folks are going to be totally okay with that, uh, that, that, uh, repeat, you know, repeatedly told us all that, that Sanders' behavior in 2016 was somehow, you know, uh, excessive or undemocratic or or cause them to lose. Yeah, that's true. Going back to creative destruction, we want that. Those people should be pushed out of the party. You can't have a labor party with this sort of um, elite professional, you know, relatively affluent class in it. Um, it will be a, you know, a lot of them will jump ship and that's good. And that will, I think, make the Republican Party less insane, um, make the Democratic Party reflect labor concerns more. Um, it, that, Yeah, that absolutely will happen, uh, but it's good. Here's a fun game I was playing earlier. Um, let's imagine, if you will, Elizabeth Warren drops out after Super Tuesday. Who does she throw her support behind? If anybody at all. I don't think she's going to drop out. I think from from what she's saying, she's talking about being built for the long haul. And I think her, it seems to me, maybe I'm wrong about this. I, I hope to be wrong. What I would hope she would do would be to drop out and endorse Bernie because everyone says, oh, they're, they're basically the exact same policies. So you just have to go with whoever has the best shot at, at winning the nomination. But her actions haven't really reflected that over the last couple of weeks and months. Uh, and I think, I think there's a good chance that she's planning to go to the nomination to deny Bernie uh, a chance at, at wrapping it up before then, and then hopefully emerging as some kind of compromise candidate uh, during the convention. That's what it seems like to me, but yeah. I, I hope to be wrong about that. I'll go, I'll go on the record for this. I think she'll sit out the entire thing until it's clear who the winner is and then back that person. That's going to be my yeah, prediction. That it's, I think it's going to be in, 
Either like to, that, like to a she, comic degree where it's like literally the day that he gets it not and not a minute before something like that <laughs> right right it's gonna like she won't stick her neck out um because then she just can end up in anyone's cabinet or right you know on their ticket or whatever right um but if i could also see like what rob talked about um and before i said it like i think to be clear i think if you know, say in some turn of events, Sanders is is lagging behind and he drops out. I think he would and should throw his support behind her because if it's not him, she would be my number two choice. Um, so, I, but I think there's a real scenario where they just cut costs um, as much as they can. I just saw they're canceling a bunch of ad flights in uh, North Nevada and South Carolina. And start to cut costs and just make it as far as they can and limp into the convention, hoping for a brokered convention, and then run and then try to get it through that I'm the unity candidate um, angle. Which, if that's the case, that's really, really frustrating because she would have been undercutting Sanders' performance the entire time. And just that's how she got it, which is kind of shitty. But yeah, and again, we the, the reality not, is but. that if there is a, if there's a, a clusterfuck at the democratic convention it is going to be a disaster uh like and uh you know i don't think that's a situation anyone is totally prepared for how insane that's going to get oh my god dude i don't know if i could just (laughs) if i don't know i don't know what i would do going forward if they do that and they just if wow wow talk about the like just fucking imploding the party dude that's that's how you do it God damn. Ken, well, we got you. We know Rob's pressed for time because he has uh, kids and he's got a responsibility. Uh, I can't just... <laughs> hey, wait, um, you, have a, you have a cat? I have a dog. So we're all in the same boat, right? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty much the pretty same much thing. The yeah. Yeah, what's the difference? It's actually harder for us, actually. Rob no, is this I fucking so. thing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> it, the thing is, you get child support care. You don't get dog support care. Cat yeah, support we're, care. yeah exactly. It. What the that fuck? That is true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but while we got you, uh, you know, really a rager of a State of the Union last night with, I think, I could, I'm speaking for all of us, the epic moment at the end, the yeah. clapback from the Queen, Nancy yeah. Pelosi, where she ripped the speech. I know uh, I was a big fan. Ken, you were like a way bigger fan of that moment. Just talk. Could you give us like a play by play of like what was going through your head when you saw her do that? Well, I think. If I recall, Trump resigned after that. Yeah, he resigned <laughs> immediately. Yeah. yeah, and so now, now we have um, who's the other who's the other Republican running in the primary? He's president now. Uh, Biden. Um, <laughs> yeah, Biden. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was cool. Uh, I was in Trump um, Hotel here in DC, um, having to do uh, a uh, or wanting to do, of course. <laughs> if anyone from the nation is listening to this, um, uh, 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 like sort of feature thing of like what the what the folks there were like and so um she does it and the funniest thing is that like everyone that was standing there nobody even noticed it because everybody was already filing out at that point and it was done (laughs) in such i mean she was obviously mugging for the camera but it was still pretty muted i think so i didn't find out about it until people started tweeting about it and then the moment i saw that it was kind of like i remember reading this biography of a reporter who got a pulitzer won a pulitzer prize and his friend says to him you just you've just written the first sentence of your obituary and and this was sort of like that in that, oh, this is something I'll have to see for the rest of my natural life. <laughs> yeah. Dude, this thing is never going away. No, ever. Never, ever. Um, well, honestly, like, I, unironically, I want to give credit to Nancy Pelosi for this because, like, you you can really tell that she does fully understand who her base is and what they want, right? And uh, she she knows how to give it to them. And I think it's performative and that it sucks, but you see how people react to it. 
And it's like, you, you gotta, you gotta give it up for Nancy. Like she absolutely knows that like she can, you know, uh, enable Trump constantly. She can vote for his like military budgets or like <laughs> can keep the like machine moving along, uh, with this kind of like performative element of resistance. But all she has to do are these, like these completely meaningless gestures and people just eat it up. I'm and just they thinking, just they, they that's what they think politics is, and they think that like that's the that's how you get Trump, that's how you own him, uh, that's how you resist. And uh, she like credit to Nancy, she understands that people that how much people uh, love that shit. I just love that term resist because I'm thinking of like um, the worst when I first heard that you know it's evoking sort of World War II like Warsaw Uprising or like um, you know French Resistance or whatever. And then if you were to import what we have now and we're so used to because we have such low standards because everything's so bad. You were to import that. I'm just picturing like like Winston Churchill doing the clap at like Hitler and like how people would have processed that then. Because that's basically <laughs> all we have is these like uh, sort of made for occupied Democrats Facebook memes kind of stuff. And uh, we, we've never we I don't think in our lifetimes we've ever had anything much better than that. So nobody seems to nobody seems to much notice how hollow it is. Well, even during the speech, right? I mean, she's she's there, like giving huge ovations to to Trump for all the kinds of stuff, giving him credit for stuff. Right? She's like, right. She's giving a big standing ovation to Juan Guaido, basically saying, like, yeah, Donald Trump, I'm resisting him, but he should be trying to install leaders in foreign countries and overthrowing governments that way. That that's great. Uh, and then she, all she has to do at the end is this meaningless gesture, and all the all the uh, the liberal Twitterati just go crazy and start the you're gonna see, we're going to be seeing that gif now uh in twitter replies uh and literally until the world catches on fire yeah the th- like the thing is like you mentioned with like the venezuela shit um this this these like the imperialism the fascist bootlicking all this shit um they're fine with all that but if you criticize her for this like pure machination this trite little ploy that she clearly did this f- to get it on camera so they could just turn it into a gif or whatever or or go viral or have this video moment whatever if you criticize that you're the problem and you don't care about trump and that was the refrain i saw time and time and time again last night just like people the people who a lot of people who worked in the establishment politics like of dc who are cozy with you know the dnc cozy with establishment politicians and establishment groups that was what they were telling people it's like trump's speech was blah 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 this and that and if you think if your reaction is that pelosi is the problem you're an idiot it's like you can like you can hate both like you can think this is just stupid and also not like not like trump like they're not mutually exclusive um and it's just like this kind of politics as an aesthetic and like this empire of illusion, uh, to, to use a term uh, that Chris Hedges wrote about. Um, he, it's just like the, everything kind of relies on optics uh, and spectacle because that's, you know, that's just kind of that's our political currency now. Like Ken tweeted about Jerry Nadler reading the pocket constitution. It's just oh. like, oh, yeah, fucking got him, dude. Like, it's just like, it's just, you know, it's, it's honestly so worse vapid. than doing nothing because it's so insulting. It's like, oh, what are these rubes? What is it going to turn them up? It's like, oh, they don't expect anything. We'll just give them some, like, uh, you know, some crumbs and they'll love that. It's like, I would rather, uh, Jordan, we were talking about this before. I would rather just Bernie be like, I'm not going to fucking remember your birthday. Fuck you. That's <laughs> like way more yes. like honest and, and like, um, frankly, like treating people with more dignity than this kind of like p- pandering, you know? Right. Right. Was there anything else of note in the speech? I got to be honest, I did not watch the State of the Union. <laughs> uh, I, I checked out the highlights the next day, but I fell asleep pretty one early. Part, 
one part to me was bone chilling, which was when they talked about the Soleimani um, uh, killing and they had uh, a widow uh, whose husband died um, allegedly um, because from a, bom- a bomb- uh, roadside bomb in Iraq that uh, they, they claim had been supplied by um, Soleimani. And they have, she has her son next to her who was, I think, one when, when her husband died. And, um, you know, it's obviously a really gross political theater and everything, but just, just kind of like seeing her like um, puffy eyes and like the little kid just looking sort of confused and scared, I, I, I felt bad. And in the audience in, in Trump in, in Trump Hotel, it was like this really weird mix of, there was no pathos. It was like um, a mix of rage and like um, uh, like pride, where they were like proud because he was like, he, he, he lives on in eternity. And I was just thinking of, um, I wrote this in a story for, for The Nation. It reminded me of that scene in um, Full Metal Jacket where he's like, you're a Marine, you're supposed to die, but then the Marines live forever. So you live forever. And it felt exactly like that. It, 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 and the, like the fact that there was, there didn't seem to be any sort of pity. It was more just like anger and like zeal. It was like, it was like the most fascist feeling thing that I think I've ever, <laughs> I've ever witnessed. In, in yeah. And it's just, it's, you know, it fucking, it's so manipulative and sucks, especially when you consider the, the number of fucking children that have been killed in Iraq started <laughs> from wars that the United States has started. Right. Um, so the idea that like the United States is using the military to like protect children or avenge children somehow right. uh, is disgusting because like the children are some of the people that have been impacted the worst by the, the like worst cases of, of imperialism and, and warmongering. And uh, it, it sucks to use kids as like a shield to justify like continuing to perpetuate that. Right. To draw on another Hedges book, War is a Force That Gives Us Meaning, talks about how uh, we never see the the consequences outside of the pageantry of war, especially when it comes to veterans. Like we either see, you know, the guy or someone who isn't there, or we see the person who can keep up appearances for the camera, like with the Wounded Warrior Project, that kind of stuff. Where they're smiling, you know, hey, we're happy, we got this and that. Like you don't see someone who's just like homeless, um, or you know in the middle of the night screaming from PTSD and shit like that. Like you don't see the actual consequences and you never quite understand like the depravity of war and the lifelong consequences as a result from sending people over there. Um, but people love to turn this kind of shit into applause lines and like, like fascist little tropes, uh, to, you know, boost patriotism, to boost national morale. And then it becomes like a bipartisan thing. Like everyone has to clap for the, for the troops and for the, you know, the, the vets and all this shit. But we never allow that to influence our, our psyche when considering future conflicts, unless you're someone like Barbara Lee or Bernie Sanders or a handful of other people who are like steadfastly anti-war. Um, it just it, the thing is, like, yeah, Trump does this, but like you're going to see it with a lot of Democrats, too. I mean, Elizabeth Warren in a debate a couple months ago was asked point blank by Rachel Maddow if she thinks there should be more troops. <laughs> she should, more people should serve in the military. And in one word, she's like, yes. No, it's like the wrong answer. You don't want more people to serve in the military. You want fewer. You want to de-escalate the world through diplomacy. What the fuck? That's a simple answer. How did you get that wrong? Yeah, and it does show why I think it was the better move to just not go to this fucking State of the Union in the first place. Right. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Because it just it stops people from being from being put in that position. Because then you, you get that news cycle of like, oh... Uh, this person didn't stand up and give a standing ovation for the troop and his beautiful kid 
And look at that. And it's just like, wait, why get, why give Trump these PR wins? Why even fucking invite him to give the state of the union when you're in the middle of impeaching him? Um, and again, I think the other thing too, that we, that we didn't talk about from the state of the union is not one mention of climate change just did not come up one time. Well, he talked about planting trees. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> he said, we're going to plant a bunch of trees. Yeah, What was that about? I heard that. And it was just like, sort of in the background. I, I like the trillion it. tree plan or something like that. It's a global, global initiative. I don't know. It's just, that's like some hollow bullshit. That's like the base level understanding of climate change. That's like yeah, basically, we're, we're, I mean, it's, we're tripling it's good, down but... on all the activity that causes climate change <laughs> yeah. and we're refusing to meet any standards that can maybe do anything at all to to stop that. But we're going to do this meaningless, uh, this meaningless gesture that just like will hopefully shut people up. It's like you have like a, a gaping wound, like you're about to lose your like your arms about to fall off and your solution is to just put a bigger bandaid on it. <laughs> Yeah. And that's I mean, that's when you get into the differences, too, between between like the liberal plan for climate change and Trump's, because ultimately, like that is kind of what it is. I think, you know, liberals are more serious about it. They're more willing to talk about it. Uh, But there's uh, many of them are still not willing to like start talking about the lengths that we really need to go to to slow this down or stop it. So even though obviously they're better on climate change than Trump, a lot of the time there are still talking about just purely performative uh, and meaningless acts like like getting back to the Paris agreements that are non-binding, um, and that's something that again that Sanders represents. That's going to be that is going to be a different approach to that. Well, guys, I got I really have to go. Uh, is there any? I mean, I, we got quite a lot here. Is there anything <laughs> else that we missed or that we didn't cover? Or um... no, I have to go too. Ken. I have things that depend on me. Like again, my dog. Um, she wants to see me. <laughs> so. Actually, yeah. Actually, Ken and I need to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. you, got, you got cat stuff. So we all have people yeah. that love us. Yeah, cat stuff. It's I gotta just, feed my cat. It's not just. It's not just Rob. Yeah, quit making this about yourself, yeah. dude. Sorry. Ken, where can you? Where can we find your stuff? Um, I'm at the Nation. I'm their DC correspondent. I'm more on Twitter. Um, say hello. What's your, what's your at? At Ken Klippenstein. I think I'm the only Ken. See, you say Ken Klippenstein. Jordan over here is supposed to be your friend. He's been saying Klippenstein. Are you for real? Uh, Ken's wrong. What the fuck? <laughs> Dude, come on. How long have we known? <laughs> I don't know. I just whatever. I like scene better. <laughs> I'm going with that. For the record, I knew what it was, but Jordan confused me, so that's mm. I mean that's it's Stein? Yeah, Stein, like you're Stein. I'll consider it. <laughs> you know what this is? This is Trump when he mispronounces people's names just to name yeah. them. You know, yeah. he's like, uh, oh, Steve Jobs, Jobs, yeah, Steve Jobs. It, it, it's a, it's some kind of um, like pickup artist mindset shit to like throw people off. Yeah, back to negging. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on, Ken. We appreciate it. Um, Thanks, Ken. Thank you. All right, good to talk to you guys. Okay. Well, that was Ken. That was wonderful to talk to uh, Kenny Clips. Ken Klippenstein, which I knew, but you or his friend apparently did not know how to pronounce his name. That's kind of interesting, but you know, it's okay. It's fine. He's wrong. I mean, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's agree to disagree. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he just needs to like, just accept it. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Tough, but fair. Uh, so that's the end of the episode. Uh, we do have actually have some updates for you. We recorded this interview with Ken yesterday. A whole lot of stuff has happened since then. So we wanted to kind of say goodbye and give a few little updates. Uh, so the main, th- what happened last night, which is, I think maybe part of, we've been talking about big conspiracies, but I think this is part of like a grand insidious conspiracy on the part of the DNC to have me never sleep ever again. Um, but, uh, so what happened was, uh, last night, 
Uh, with 97% of precincts in uh, uh, Iowa reco- reporting, and with the NYT needle all the way over on a 45-degree angle showing the Pete's likelihood for victory in the Iowa caucus, uh, all of a sudden, the last few percentages, and this is a huge coincidence, by the way, just a stunning coincidence, that the last <laughs> the, the, the last few percentages to report were these satellite caucuses of... Uh, migrant factory workers and mosques and uh, different uh, non-English speaking uh, caucuses that that the Bernie Sanders campaign had worked very, very hard to organize, uh, which ended up shrinking Pete's lead to practically nothing. Um, We're now it's now the next day We're we're waiting for the final results to come in. Uh, And now now what just happened? This just happened just now with Tom Perez. What, What is going on with with what Tom Perez just said? Yeah, Tom Perez puts out a tweet. It's like, uh, uh, "Enough is enough." Uh, I'm putting my foot down. <laughs> I'm acting. I'm acting tough in light of the problems that have emerged in the implementation of the delegate selection plan. And in order to assure public confidence in the results, I am calling on the Iowa Democrat. Iowa Democratic Party to immediately begin a re-canvas. Now, this is not the same as having everyone caucus again. This is all the precinct chairs uh, come back and recertify the results. The The effect of this is it delays the uh, announcement of a winner a few more days. So we will not have, likely, we will not have a, a clear, if this happens, clear uh, winner uh, tomorrow night, Friday night, the night of the debate, after a week-long unjustified fucking media victory lap by the Pete campaign because they announced, uh, uh, like, preemptively with zero, zero uh, percent in that they won. And the media just fucking ran with it. So now this delays that announcement for Sanders. Yeah, because Bernie was just about to make do a press conference at 1 p.m. It's 12.36 right now, where I believe he was about to declare victory. Uh, because yep. he was, a, I think he was like 1.5 pledge delegate, state delegate equivalent right, spot, whatever that is. He was just slightly behind feed. The counties that they were missing, the only counties that hadn't really been uh, completely submitted and released were the counties that, like, you know, Polk County where Des Moines is and where Sanders was leading and cities like Sioux city. Uh, I, can't, I don't remember the other big, um, what's what County is that? But uh, I think Woodbury, Woodbury County, Sanders was in first. Pete was in third. There were still several precincts that hadn't been reported yet there. I mean, by, you know, likely Sanders was going to pass Pete today, which would have possibly given him that media cycle. Those counties also had not been reported. Yeah. And he had a comfortable lead in the like total number of votes cast as well. So yep. Uh, Bernie won, as I've been saying for since the <laughs> night of the of the caucus, uh, I'm going to continue saying it. I believe he was just about to declare a victory. Um, and now it looks like Perez is delaying that. Although we'll see, we're going to see what Sanders says in just a couple minutes. So that'll be interesting to see whether he, uh, what his uh, position is on that. But isn't it, we, we went through this a little bit during our talk with Ken. It is, I think it's just interesting to, Go back to the last week of strange coincidences that are just fascinating to me, starting with the the spiking of the uh, Des Moines Register poll, right? Uh, that was done at the behest, allegedly, of the Pete Buttigieg campaign, right? Correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, which has never been done. CNN canceled their big... Uh, 
uh, special they were going to do to talk about this poll that showed Bernie in the lead. Uh, you then had the next day when um, there was this complete debacle at the Iowa caucus, uh, partially based on this uh, app, voting app, which uh, with the company that produced the app had connections to the Buttigieg campaign. Uh, Mayor Pete then took a page right out of the Juan Guaido playbook, declared himself a victor with <laughs> amidst all the confusion and chaos with 0% of the vote counted. Um, then there was this now multi-day media cycle basically showing him in the lead as they slowly revealed the results uh, of this uh, caucus. And then as soon as Bernie is about to... Uh, put himself in the position to take the lead and uh, declare victory. Now, all of a sudden we're extending it a couple more days just to be sure. Just a whole bunch of really strange coincidences uh, piling up on top of each other there that all seem to favor the same person. Really strange. I, I honestly, I can't believe that people are being so irresponsible to talk about these, <laughs> these crazy wild eyed conspiracy theories, uh, really irresponsible stuff. Not something I would ever do here on this show. Because as you know, Jordan, I am a serious, <laughs> objective journalist. Oh, absolutely. You would never, you would never dabble in conspiracy theories. Uh, I can't no. remember if we talked about this with uh, with Ken because we're now recording this a day later. But like this, the term conspiracy theory is just being so wildly misapplied these days. It's so fucking frustrating. Last night, uh, people were calling Ken's. T- Ken just pointed out that like, look, the counties that still haven't been reported are favorable to Sanders. That's weird. It's weird that. After the results had been submitted days prior, those weren't being included as, again, Pete continues to take this victory lap. Um, Weird. People were calling that a conspiracy theory. That's not a conspiracy theory (laughs) when it's relying on object, like provable evidence. Like the Polk County Democratic Party chair had the results submitted days prior and he he was publicly asking, why haven't these been included? And they just did every other county instead. That's weird. It's it's not a conspiracy theory to point out that it's weird. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think so either. But uh, yeah, I saw numerous people um, piling on our beloved boy, uh, Ken Klippenstein, for that, including a Ben Dreyfus, who had an absolute meltdown uh, <laughs> last night. I think he had maybe been hitting the sauce a little bit and was tweeting, which you should oh, never yeah. do. You should no, never well, you should never tweet when you're over the limit. I think that's the, the your phone should come with like a breathalyzer like cars that's what that's what have UIs. Yeah. You get like you get a little tube coming out of your iPhone. It's like before yeah. you tweet, blow but into the, this please. <laughs> um but and, yeah, and so there was a friend of the show. A little inside baseball for people who are still listening. When that conversation was happening, um it was clear to Ken and, and I or Ken and me that he was getting a little agitated because we clearly struck a nerve with the hey you you haven't actually earned anything line because it's like you just he's not there on his personality yeah. or merit he's there because his dad's famous um and it clearly was bothering him that the self-deprecating jokes which he probably has used to deflect his entire life weren't resonating with us <laughs> and it was like very clear he's getting agitated ken messages me and he's like i think this guy's about to crack and then, like, 20 <laughs> minutes later, I swear, I have them. I'll show you the message. Ken DM me. said, I think this guy's about to crack. 20 minutes later, he's calling people autistic. Like, just spectacular spiral downward. The kid is just, like, needs help. Yeah. Someone give this boy a hug. Yeah. Richard. Richard. Richard Dreyfus, come collect your boy. Literally, quite literally. <laughs> you, need to, you, need to, you need to do something about this. Okay, so now... Uh, 
now, given all this new information, uh, 538 uh, updated their model today, showing how Bernie has the favorite to win every single state coming up in this primary. And of course, it's not like Nate Silver has never been wrong before. I don't think people should, you know, take that as gospel. But I mean, that there are really positive signs for the Bernie campaign. And it really all just circles back to Biden collapsing uh, the way he did in Iowa. Um, if he loses again in New Hampshire, like the more his his campaign collapses, uh, a lot. I think the the majority of that is going to go to Bernie. Uh, and that's you know if that's the way it works out, it is going to be uh, not smooth sailing, obviously, because we've seen uh, the the uh, shenanigans that happen uh, in in one one primary state. But I mean, uh, I think the Bernie Sanders campaign has to be feeling pretty good about where they're sitting. Um, heading into into New Hampshire on uh, Monday, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's Tuesday. Uh, I think I just looked it up. It's the eleventh. I think it's Tuesday. Um, yeah, I have no idea what what day it is or what time it is. It all it all blurs. It all blends together. But this is again <laughs> that the the urgency like is is there, and that just shows the importance of having that victory momentum coming out of Iowa, and what they're trying to do is just nullify and mitigate any momentum the Sanders campaign had but it really looks like it's backfiring like every time they try to fuck this guy over it it just blows up in their faces uh because yes. people are fucking fed up with the political establishment he's been pointing it out and like the dnc that's exactly like, why people like bernie in the first place exactly and they like you know they publicly deny it but then you get all these reports of them you know back channel shit they're desperately trying to rat fuck them so like this is another example everyone smells bullshit in iowa everyone's and now this Perez thing immediate reaction knee jerk from everybody it's like oh a fucking course you want to delay this <laughs> because that gives it maybe maybe then monday it's like oh bernie won but by then pete has had a full fucking week of unjustified victory laps in the media completely irresponsible like everyone ev- like just fucking deep from the dnc iowa democratic party the pete campaign cnn all the media that's been like talking like pete won just just fuck them all yeah. And you know what's funny about this too, uh, before we sign off here, is that it's one of those things where they just, they bit off so much more than they could chew. Like if the Pete Buttigieg campaign had come out on the night of the caucus amidst all that confusion and said, hey, we don't know that we won. We don't know the results, but based on our projections, we really outperformed expectations. We're really happy with that. I don't think anyone would have had a problem with that. And that's, they did outperform expectations. He did, he did better than I think the polling was saying he was going to do. They did have a legitimate claim to like to boost themselves up over that. But this like slimy, sneaky way that they've gone about it in conjunction with the Democratic Party establishment and in conjunction with the media uh, has just made them seem so shady and uh, like they're just pulling the pages out of the, the CIA McKinsey playbook. Um, and it is just a classic case of just like they they I think they flew a little bit too close to the sun. And it's not going to work out quite as well for uh, for uh, hashtag mayor cheat <laughs> as I think they were Ooh, maybe hoping. Got him. Yeah, yeah I did get him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I guess the final thing I would just say too is that given the, the this new uh, model uh, released by five thirty eight today, uh, again, and as I was saying before, I am a serious objective journalist. Obviously, everyone knows this. Nonpartisan. I've got no dog in this fight personally. Obviously. <laughs> I would never claim otherwise, but if I wasn't that, 
what I would say to uh, Bernie uh, supporters and volunteers uh, is that now is not the time to relax and start to get comfortable. Now is the time to work even harder to redouble your efforts wherever you are. Uh, and now is the time to kind of put your boot on the throat of the people that are trying to uh, des- trying so desperately to stop the momentum that's building here. Uh, and and really work even harder now to propel into the nomination because it's in sight now, it's in grasp, uh, and just every, as everyone gets, if everyone can kind of get on that same page, Bernie Sanders is going to go into the um, Democratic convention this summer and win the nomination, um, which would be exciting. But again, we've seen that we've seen the the craziness that's happened on the result uh, uh, after one day of the primary so you know it's certainly not going to be easy or smooth sailing so that's i think something that that everyone who supports sanders or everyone who's involved in the campaign should keep in mind but again i i this is this is what i would say if i was not a a objective uh journalist um nonpartisan as i've repeatedly stated that 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 i am <laughs> yeah um <laughs> yeah <laughs> pulitzer prize winner rob Rousseau. yes um yes but everyone knows how seriously everyone. I take this stuff. <laughs> That's not a question in my mind. Yeah, I, mean, um, I know. I just want to point out we got our uh, the the first issue of the newsletter will be coming out this weekend, so keep an eye out for that. Uh, working on a couple things about just kind of about like this whole like really diving deep into the impact in the media of how um, declaring Peter Victor uh, affected the polls. And affects people's perception of the race and, you know, just the, the, everything around that in a more substantive level. So if you're looking for a deep dive on that, that'll be in su- out Sunday. So subscribe in theinsurgents.substack.com. Make sure you, you're, you're on our email list. Um, I got a buddy who's working on a, got a, on a similar piece that we're going to run to. Maybe have some some of Rob's thoughts in there. Rob, you had a, you had a piece published this, this week uh, in the Canadian News Wait, you guys have press up there? <laughs> yes. Yes. We just kind of scribble it on tablets and leave it lying around our villages <laughs> where so people can can read can read it. Uh no, but I do have a um a uh, a piece uh, out uh right now in this new publication that just launched uh called Passage um which is about uh, the the hunt for the elusive uh, Canadian Bernie Sanders, the person that's going to ignite uh a similar social movement in this country that a lot of kind of lefties and progressives and socialists in this country have been waiting for for a very long, long time. Um, I kind of dive into, um, you know, the uh, why that hasn't really happened yet. And uh, that'll be included in the newsletter as well or pieces. Cool. Of so keep keep an eye out for that. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, send us your hate mail, your comments, whatever. What's the email address, Rob? Uh, <laughs> the yes. I I believe. Sorry, I put that, you on the spot there. I've got it here. It is the insurgents pod at gmail dot com. Insurgents pod at gmail dot com. Yeah, we should probably check uh, that out in advance next time. Probably. Yeah, possibly. We're um, learning as we ins- go here. We're learning as we go. At insurgents pod uh, on Twitter. Follow us. Tweet at us. Uh, tell us who you want on. Ken is not allowed on the show anymore. Uh, he's banned yes. forever. So <laughs> tell us yeah. who you want. For mispronouncing his own name. That's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening, folks. We'll 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 talk to you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>